Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winner Winner PUBG Podcast. I'm your host Kev, aka The One Heart, and I'm joined by my co-host Mike, aka MTB Trigger. Season 9 is upon us and brings us a brand new map with a strong Central American Aztec theme. The map is named Paramo, which sits on a 3x3 grid with a playable area just barely larger than 2x2 kilometers. Its landscape is charred by an active volcano, and crossing lava is much more dangerous than crossing a river. Does the size mean it plays like Karakin? We'll get into all that shortly, but our initial impression is that this map has its own flow with terrain that actually balances decently well for rotations, with plenty of dips and defilades to hunker down in, if a compound isn't open. Before we get into all of that, we have a few things to plug. You can find us in all these places. I'll let Trigger take us away. Yeah, so if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can find us as always in the XP Media Discord or the Winner Winner Discord. We always have links to those down in the show notes. Additionally, we still have the PC giveaway going on through the end of October. So as you're hearing this, if you have not entered into that, you have a couple more days to get into the PC giveaway. We're actually giving away a PC with the limited edition PUBG crate case from NZXT. It is a phenomenal machine, comes with a 1660 Ti. We've fully optimized it, got the thing ready to rock. It runs PUBG beautifully, and it comes with all the awesome PUBG peripherals. So if you haven't entered in that, make sure you click the link down below that's going to take you to the Twitter post where the PC giveaway is hosted. Get in there, check it out, make sure you enter. I'm going to have a real hard time giving that thing away because it's beautiful, but I look forward to seeing who wins that. Again, that runs through October 31st. For those of you that are in North America, get in that giveaway and looking forward to getting that out there. Yeah, trust me, you cannot get this case anywhere. Uh, You couldn't even get it back in 2018 when I built my computer. So it's been sold out for a long time and it is super cool. I I really wish I could get it. I said that the last episode too. Yeah, I honestly didn't think I was going to be super interested in it. And then when it opened it up and we built it and it was just like, oh my gosh, this thing is actually beautiful. I mean, everything is detailed perfectly, so it's going to be hard to let it go, but it was all for uh, giving back to the community, so excited to see who gets a hold of that. All right, and we do have a secret code that can up your chances for this. Uh, Trigger, do you want to do that at the end? Yeah, we'll give the code at the end, and that's going to be for additional entries into the contest. So for those of you that have already entered, you're going to want to pay attention for that code later on in the show, and we'll give that out. Uh, some dare down the line. You'll have to listen and find out when that's coming. All right. So as I said, season nine brings us this brand new map, Paramo. We already talked a little bit about that, but that's not all that came with season nine. We also got ranked solos, a ranked rule set adjustment with ranked point resets, as well as some massive changes to matchmaking that should help with the health of queues around the world, but it doesn't come without some growing pains for the community. You know, what you're used to may not be there anymore. We're all growing with this, right? Uh, We also get some very slight nerfs to the barrel and SLR. G-Coin as a form of prepaid currency to PC, which is something that's been on console for a long time. We also get a new shorter season pass that's structured with earnable G-Coin, 
which allows pass grinders to pay for future passes without having to spend money again. So Trigger, uh, I mentioned growing pains a moment ago, but this season has really shaken up PUBG for nearly everyone, and that's kind of led to a lot of controversy with NNA and EU. By far the biggest point of controversy comes with the new map Paramo and how the community can play it. Uh, it has its own limited time queue for just Season 9, and a lot of the controversy came before release when it was in test, because at the time we thought we were only going to get it in TPP squads. Uh, the community kind of backlash with that gave us FPP, but it's still only locked to squads. I don't know, I kind of feel like it plays like a solo and duo map better than a squad map, but I'm also a solo and duo player. What are your thoughts uh, on the new map before we get, get into the specifics on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it actually ends up sitting, right? Because the original test was TPP only, squads only, and then now we've got the FPP lobbies and it's still squad only. I think the most interesting thing, at least from my perspective, is that it plays really fast, similar in speed to Karakin, but it feels like you have more opportunity for cover in the landscape, meaning there's not as many situations where you're caught running down a mountain with no cover or running across a wide open field with no cover. You kind of said it, there's a bunch of defilades and all this stuff. So I think where this would really, really sit well, my initial gut reaction was in, you know, smaller squads. And I want to speak to that seasonal piece, you know, because the growing pains are interesting, but they are releasing this as a limited time for the season release, which suggests that that's going to happen going forward as well. Meaning we have shorter seasons, we're going to get some kind of mode, presumably, that's unique to those seasons. And then with that, they have the opportunity to change stuff. So I hope that opportunity is used not only to bring new content, new modes, like we'll see arena mode again, I'm sure, after it was tested. But I would love to see Paramo come back either as a mode or a season or whatever on maybe maximum of three people, right? Or maybe maximum of duos. You can only queue in as duos. Like it, it just does present a really cool opportunity if they're going to separate it and have the queue as one and only thing, like squads only, why not try, let's lock it to threes, let's lock it to duos and see how this thing really shapes up. Because thus far, it's been really cool to jump in the map and it feels wonderful because of the terrain. It, I mean, it almost feels as good as Erangel did. You know, it's like, this map is so cool. I can't wait to dig into the specifics but I would love to play it in my preferred mode. And I say my preferred because I know that's going to be a hot spot that we may get into some of that tonight. We may not. But I would love to play this map on duos against other duo squads. I think it would be so awesome. Yeah, I mean, we always say it. Like, some of our best fights come in duos. And, and I mean, when I'm in duos mode, and I mean, NA has gotten to a pretty small point. But, God, we know, we know, you know, at least six teams whenever we do a duos game. We just ended playing against some friends, you know, in our game literally just right before this. So obviously there's there's a decent amount of people who may just be in our little, you know, group echo chamber kind of thing of, of Reddit and Twitch and, and all of those. But there's a lot of people that know each other and all seem to want FPP and FPP duos specifically. And oh man, if there was, if this mode was duos only, I think it'd be cracking all the time. I'd be in it a lot. Yeah, I really, really would love to see it in duos. And I'd love to see, I mean, I just, I've come to love duos almost more than solos, which 
if you've been listening for any length of time, you're going to say what? Because I was primarily solos. Like I grinded out solos for so many seasons. And recently I've just fallen in love with duos again. It's become my preferred and I look for duos anytime I can. So even on Paramount, most of my time has been spent running it with just one other person. Now I've done plenty of squads on it as well. And, and honestly, the map is really fun on squads. It's just, it's, it plays so fast and it does have an insane amount of like terrain and defilades and all these things. So the rotations, you know, if you get pinned down, you know, a team that's using the terrain to their advantage, especially in squads, can really pin you down. And that's where I would love to see how it played out in duos because it would make the fights really intense because you can't completely defend all the angles on a compound and you can't completely surround a compound. So I think it would just be really neat to see. So I know I'm harping on that, but man, it would be awesome. Yeah. Another thing that I think we should mention that I don't even have like really written down, but it's in the patch notes and it's that the circle settings are actually like a lot different for this mode. It's supposed to give you enough time to get into the zones on foot, but uh, the damage is different. They kind of always continue to kind of move. And uh, we did find ourselves, we shot down a helicopter, which uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but instead of dropping in on a plane, you drop in on a helicopter. And then helicopters bring these massive supply crates, which I thought were going to be like triple loot kind of things, but they, they, I mean, they, they always have good loot, but they're not some triple crate or something like a flare gun. But we called one of those or shot one of those down. We're looting that. We're all excited. We got two MG3s on our team. Mm-hmm. We're ready to go. And then the, the circle shifts away from us. And right in front of us, where we need to go is a team of crack shots. And they're pinning us one way. And then there's teams who are probably also trying to get in. But they're putting all the pressure on us as well. And it made for a very difficult rotation that ended up not working. So while the terrain is really good, if you're not making rotations like right away, I think those circle changes are pretty impactful. And I don't know, I guess we just haven't played it enough since it came out to like know how to anticipate them, but it did feel weird trying to take your normal thought process and it felt a little different, a little faster in some ways. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, as I've played it, I'm trying to decide whether it's going to continue to be this way or it's just my lack of knowledge on the map. And some of that's due to the dynamic nature, right? Some of the terrain is different each time you go in the map. They move the big towns in different areas. The secret rooms are in different locations. And so the terrain's a little different every time. But I want to break down that game we were in, you know, on the last Paramo game we played. And we also had a great, great duos game that we also played too. It was super interesting. You know, we looted that crate, like you said. We started getting shot. And that team was slightly closer to the next phase circle than us. And because it was squads and there was only three of us and four of them, we were already at a little bit of a disadvantage, but the ability to fan out and hold a section of the map right now is really powerful, you know? So especially when you don't know the map yet, and yeah, we were rotating, but when they fanned out, we just didn't have anywhere to go and it was phase four. So, you know, we sh- could we have rotated earlier? Sure. Did we get knocked early in that encounter and had to res and then rotate a little late? Yeah. So it it does. It just plays a little differently. And that's where, again, I don't know if that's my map knowledge or if it's just the way the map's going to play. And it may be a little bit of both. But in squads, I guess this is my take on it. 
In squads, there's a tendency to hold compounds because if you end up in the circle in a compound, it gives you an immense defensive opportunity. And so rotations are kind of punished. And I guess the rotations and the terrain in this map are what I find to be so well done. It's the thing that reminds me of Erangel, never feeling like I'm too exposed and out of a fight if I get engaged with. There's a rock, a hill, a deflate, something to hide in. And I have that same sort of feeling on this map. It's why I think it's in the last couple of releases, I think this is by far the best map that's come out. And because of that, I think squads only is putting the focus on playing defensively, which I think is okay. But I think in smaller sizes, like in duos or solos, I think this map would really shine because it would put the emphasis on the terrain and rotations and it would get people fighting outside more. And that's when this map really is fun. I mean, we had so many fights in that last game, and it was during rotation and moving around, and those fights are amazing. And then you run up on somebody who's holed up or is just not moving, and it's like, ugh, now what? So I, I don't know. I just think there's opportunity there. Yeah, the third parties are definitely there. I don't think they're at the same degree as Karakin ever was. Yeah, no but- way. Uh, the terrain is definitely there so that, you know, it feels like you get focused a lot, which is, it happens in every, every map, but I think it's the speed of the circles that we just need to pay a little more attention and learn. I think we're very like comfortable in other maps with the other circle settings. And so, yeah, uh, that's probably just one of the biggest things that caught us by surprise on that map. Um, you know, we, we were talking about how much we like defilades and, and how the terrain on this map gives us experiences that are, that are not too different than like end game. Miramar and Erangel, and we actually had one more squad game that we played on Erangel before our third left, and we ended up fighting Trigger and I. It just it ended up just being the two of us. He died, and we had to carry on. We had a crazy compound fight, and then we moved into the fields right outside of Yasnaya. And we ended up in a redesigned part of the map in Erangel that was the tanks in the field and the massive craters that were caused by, like, I guess a red zone, you know? And we had, I just never got to fight there before. It made for this incredible ending. I don't know, that game was just really cool. We came in second or third. It played out really fun. We didn't win, but like I said, that new redesign part of Iron Gall was really fun. And, you know, it's just those kind of fights outside late game, you get those feelings on Paramo, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, and you're right, though, because it was defined by that terrain. I mean, we were in one of those massive craters, and there was two of us. And again, it's squad. Our third third member died early, and he was done for the night because we were going to start recording. And we ended up getting the shift where we were just inside the circle. We're in this crater. We have a team holding us in between Yasnaya and where we were on a little mound, and they got a loot crate drop right on them, which was crazy. And then we had a team on either side. We had a team on the left and a team on the right, and we were just kind of in this bunker, this little divot. And it wasn't little, it was pretty big. It's it was one the, of the like the ones. biggest divot ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Divot's a bad word. Trench. So we're in this, you know, crater, trench, whatever you want to call it. And we're defending all sides and making sure no one rotates in behind us. And a team drives in, we shoot at them, and they keep driving to the left. And then the, t- the car that was behind them, they were in two vehicles, circled back over to the right. And there's the compound that's like on the... You know, it would be east of where we were, and there's that big hill with the two trees on it, and they're shooting down at us. So we're defending from like four different angles, and then another team drives by, 
And we managed to use the M249 and knock two of them as they drive by. I mean, it was absolute chaos, but the other teams were using the tanks and the hay bales and the trees and the little mounds, right? There was no major structure outside of a few random tanks. And it was just insane amount of fun. Like we're trying to communicate where everyone's at, but it's even hard to do that. And yeah, you you clutched it out, man. Like you got a res off. I got knocked again right away. And then you ended up holding out till a third or second. And the team that was on the middle mound with the MK14 was dominating everybody because they got center circle and then they had a loot crate delivery. But it's all about that terrain. And again, that's why I'm just like fiending for the opportunity to have Paramo the same way. And it's not to say that it's not good right now because I had fun on it when I was playing TPP. I had fun on it in the last couple days as it's been first person. I just think there's a huge opportunity with this map. I think it's that good. And I don't want to be like sounding off on this one little facet of it. The reason that I'm saying this is because I think the map is now my second favorite map of all time already. I think it could very easily be a staple in the maps that I want to play all the time. Yeah, but then, you know, it's one of those things, right? We we did say like there's growing pains, especially with with queue changes and limitations, and it's not just to Paramo, but it it, it brings us, brings me back to something that we need to look back to is discussions with Brian Corrigan or things that we've heard from the PUBG team uh, on Twitter and, and elsewhere where they mentioned that, you know, we might need to be ready for changes um, that might see TPP as a survival mode, FPP as a more competitive feel, the need to kind of trim these cues down and make sure that the player base in every region has something that's going to actually be populated. But it's been really hard. I mean, certain regions feel really gutted. The loss of TPP duos on PC has certain people really upset. Mm Mm-hmm. If you got one buddy, and this is the only mode you've ever played, and you guys play it every day, and now you're forced to either play solo or play with randoms, you know, in squad, it's tough. I I get it. We tried some solo games and duo TPP in preparation for for all that, and it ended up being really fun because, you know, we know that mode of duos and solos well enough, but what felt tough for us is trying to push in TPP squads where you, you you really can't push a full team in TPP. The same way you might, you know, using sound cues, using all of this, because the, the overhead visuals are so strong. And we're not going to spend too much time on that, but, you know, in preparation for the episode, I kind of talked about my experiences having to play squad TPP, and I wasn't excited, really. And uh, I just wanted to talk about PUBG's potential shift and how they treat DPP and FPP, you know, with the idea of TPP being like this fun survival mode and competitive being, you know, the FPP mindset thing. But for me, there's just like a disconnect where I play PUBG and FPP, but I, I play to have fun more than half the time. Most games, I, I rarely take them seriously until there's 30 up. And then from my experience on the TPP test server was people holding compounds and not moving off the rip. They're just, you know, not moving at all. So it felt sweatier to me. And that's just the play style and the differences. But TPP survival makes sense to me, but like the fun didn't resonate in TPP. So I don't know. I feel like I play more mind games, run subpar loadouts, and have my version of fun within the maps um, at, when I'm in FPP. So it just kind of brings me to this idea of like, if FPP is going to be ranked at some point, I don't know where I fit in, especially with the ranked restrictions that are in play right now, where you can't just play with anyone because your rank is bronze and they're a master or whatever, right? Which is especially disappointing sometimes when you realize that as a full bronze squad, you're still going to go up against lobbies of pro teams because of the amount of people who are playing ranked. 
if it becomes the full mode, maybe it is different, and maybe there is only bronze to gold in one lobby or whatever, but as it stands now, when ranked games do pop, it kind of feels like it doesn't matter what your rank is, you just can't play with people of different ranks on the same team. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there, right? I mean, there's kind of the, the history of the queues, knowing they need to be trimmed down, Paramo kind of signaling that maybe there's plans to split TPP and FPP from a development standpoint and making TPP, uh, you know, the survival mode and FPP the competitive mode. I think that everyone has their own unique opinion on what the optimal queue setup would be by now. You know, it seems like every other day now you see somebody saying, here's how it should be. And the truth is, you know, most battle royales that launched, especially after PUBG, had like one or two queue options, you know, and very quickly after launch, PUBG had like, what, 2032 or whatever it was. And so there's this point to, there's this point where you have so many people that have played the way they want, just like you said, Kev, where you kind of have your spot where you have fun right now and it's FPP. And I think that's critical, right? Is you sort of have fun in a certain area. And when you go play in a spot that's not what you're used to or it's a little different, you don't have fun because of some gameplay aspect. There's a reason that you don't have fun in TPP. And what I heard you say was you don't enjoy kind of that like inability to push from close to mid-range because that's not the gameplay that you've come to love over the last couple of years or have fun with. And and I share that with you. Now, I've played a little solo TPP and I've had some great fun and some great rounds in it recently, but it is a different style because you can't push the same way. You can't, you know, run up to a wall and know that if they don't peek, they they can't see you. They can only hear you. Uh, whereas in TPP, they could see you and it's just different. And, you know, I started playing this game in TPP and fell in love with it that way and then migrated over to FPP. But I think the hardest thing, the way I would boil it down is that PUBG has been everything to all types of Battle Royale players, at least in what we know in modern day Battle Royale, being TPP or FPP, solos, duos, squads, and anything in between. And, oh, now we have TDM, and oh, now we maybe have Arena, and now we have an event map. Like, PUBG's everything to every style of player, and I just can't even comprehend the choice of saying, hey, this is the group that we are going to remove their primary ability to have fun. And I think a lot of people miss that because, yeah, there may not be a massive subset of people that play TPP duos, but the people that do play it, to your point, that was the way they enjoyed and had fun playing this game, and they can't do that anymore. You know, this is a bigger decision than, hey, we were a squad only. TPP game, and we're going to pick one new thing to add. That's a totally different decision than trimming stuff out because there's already an experience and it's going to be limited. And so there's an intensity to that and there's a challenge with that. And things that we've been asking for, you know, we get like ranked solos and now it's not being populated, at least not in the last few days. I mean, it's essentially kind of dead on arrival. And it's not just to say that there's no interest in it. For whatever reason, you can't play in NA, you can barely play ranked squads, and solos, you know, I don't know of anyone who said they actually did get to do their placements or find a game at all, and I, I, I can't think there's not 64 people 
in North America who, who want to, you know, play this mode. I mean, I'm sure there's at least a couple thousand, but for whatever reason, they actually aren't happening. And that's a real shame because there's probably other factors, right? Paramo's out, so people are focused on that. Um, you know, people are playing their normal solos. They kind of aren't even thinking about the patch and the fact that solos are in there. Like, there's a lot coming this patch. There's reasons for it, but... Well, and interestingly, you know, Paramo was going to be TPP only on launch, and we were going to get FPP ranked solos, right? So that is interesting, is that was not the original plan, at least that we know of. It seems like, you know, the test period, which is a week prior, what everybody saw on Twitter is that it was going to be a TPP map, and there was going to be a new FPP experience as well. But then everybody wants Paramo because it's a great map. And so there was kind of a switch there. I don't know if that changed what was going to happen with ranked solos or not, but you know, I've probably spent 30 to 45 minutes in queue at different times trying to spend at least 10 minutes in there to see if I couldn't get a game to pop the last few nights, and I, I couldn't get in one. So I don't know what's happening with it, but I do know that I couldn't get in one during North America primetime queue times. Yeah, and I mean, this is the problems with ranked squads was present before this whole, you know, season nine patch uh, that just came. It was already an issue. Uh, I already know some people who were playing in EU just to play. A lot of pros apparently do that too. You know, they use a VPN from NA to go and play in EU. And sometimes I've even heard that they're on some certain Asian servers uh, just to make sure that they can play. So Ranked ranked has its issues with the, the player base we have left in NA and EU. And obviously we don't really know the numbers, but like we were mentioning with our duos in FPP, you know, we see a lot of the same people. Uh, it's not uncommon to to say hello to the buddy who just killed you. So it's tough. And like I said, if we have to go and FPP is ranked all the time, that's fine. But like you, you can't let us not play with our friend because one of them is a grinder who got to gold something and someone else is too many levels behind and is only a bronze or whatever. Like that, that can't be. And it just, you know, and then it kind of also would mess with the integrity because I'm out here memeing and as someone out there is just, you know, really sweating and trying to go for the win, which already happens in normal solos and normal duos and everything, you know, so you're always going to have someone trying really hard to win and someone else who's just out there having fun. All I really want is just the competitive circles, no bots. And if there's a rank leaderboard for those who care, go for it. I, I'll never care, right? Yeah. And, and I'm somebody that I loved the ranked leaderboards way back when, and it gets brought up all the time. You know, the, what are the decisions, right? They can just remove queues and say, deal with it. They can add ranked queues and leave a quote unquote, more casual FPP mode. And, you know, again, I there's times where I just want to jump in and mess around and not worry about, you know, my rotations and what guns I have and what the circle's doing. I just kind of want to chase shots or try to do a drive-by machete toss at somebody. You know, I just want to be able to do that. And in some regard, when it was a leaderboard system, I still never really worried about that because it was like, I'm just going to play the game to have fun. Or maybe there's a season where I wanted to grind it. And Again, I think there's opportunity within all of this because now they've shortened the seasons down, you know, so rather than a 60-day season or a, what was it, a 90-day season? Now it's- I think it was like 120 days or something. And now it's down to what, 30? No, it's, no, no, it's 60. It's it's a two-month two month, uh, season now compared to like a four-month, basically. Yeah. So now 
with a shorter season, I just think that there's opportunity for, I don't know, man, it's it's hard to say like take away ranked squads now and just have it be, you know, FPP, uh, solos, duo squads, and there's leaderboards again. You know, I don't know if that's solution, but with the shorter season, you can actually do that because someone's not going to be like, oh, I've got to maintain my rank, quote unquote, for four, four months. months. It's yeah. only two. And here's the thing, like, I, I'd be fine with there being rank points, whatever. I, I, I don't care enough about them. As long as, and, and I, I would love to have no bots, 64 players, and the competitive circles. When I did play the little bit of rank that I did, I enjoyed all of those things. I just don't care about my rank, and I don't like that I can't play with someone who's a friend of mine who is really playing a lot and ranked higher, or someone who is a friend of mine who just hasn't put the overall hours into PUBG to be at like the same level of, of mediocrity that I'm at. You know, like it just doesn't feel right having to be like, yeah, sorry, we can't play because our rank is too far apart, especially when you have, you know, the Tickletons and everyone else who's playing ranked when they can, who are going to just absolutely destroy you anyway, because they're in the same lobby as a gold. Well, yeah, the squad games that I've played recently, tonight especially, the last circles play like ranked, man. People are rotating, throwing smokes. Like, it's, it's wild now. I threw down five smokes in that last game. Uh, oh, yeah. Squads that we did. You know what I mean? Like, I held right. out so long. So it's like, it's not to say that people aren't bringing the th- same, like, things that you see in ranked into the top 10. You know, the rest of the game is going to be, you know, your hot drops, people leaving when half their team is gone. But you get into the top, people aren't messing around anymore because there's a shot Mm -hmm. that they win. I'm willing to make a bunch of concessions, but I just, if it's like pure ranked and like I can only play FPP while I'm sweating, I'm just not going to enjoy it. Like if that's the expectation to be able to continue to play with friends, that's where I have a problem. But give me the competitive rule set, give me the circles, the hard spawns for cars, the more loot, like all of that stuff we're all happy with. Make it all the big maps because we love them. You know, that's all good to me. You know, make it a ranked. I don't. I feel like you could almost for FPP have like ranked with your biggest maps and all those rule sets, and then the smaller maps are still FPP but unranked. I still want to be able to play smaller maps when they come out, like Paramo or the new Alaska map that we don't know what size that'll be or when that really comes out. But yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to make some changes, but I'm not willing to play TPP in the long run, probably at all. It's not just PUBG TPP. Like, I've tried that new, uh, the new TPP arena shooter. Rogue Company. I played about five games and was over it because that camera just doesn't feel right to me. And that said, like, I played a lot of console where it was TPP the whole time, but I can't even think back to how I did it because, like, I've spent the last two years playing PC and every game I play is first person. So it just, it's too, too much of a change for me to want to go back to it, basically. I'm recognizing my own bias in this, and I know that we have a lot of TPP players that listen. I think they would say the same thing. Yeah. Right? Where they're saying, I don't like FPP. It's not a skill thing, you know? There are hardcore, insanely talented TPP players that could absolutely do really well on FPP, and they do from time to time, and vice versa. There's people that are great on FPP, and then they go to TPP, and they do great or just fine. That's not the thing. It's not a skill thing. And that's what's hard about this, is it is it boils down to fun versus not fun on an individual player basis. And that's where it just gets super challenging. And we're not going to be the ones to solve that. But I do think it is why there is so much talk about what the Q system should look like. 
it's also hard because so many games out there are doing ranked or leaderboards in different ways. You know, you got like Overwatch and they have different modes come in on a rotating basis and then they'll put those in a ranked category. You know, so if you really like this one event mode that Overwatch launches every so often, you'll be able to go play that and have it be ranked as a secondary mode. You know, so it's like, okay, could PUBG just completely change this and say, okay, we're not going to have ranked squads anymore. You know, if you want the competitive experience, there's amateur leagues, there's, you know, the competitive circuit, and here's how to get involved with that or recommended ways. But we're going to make ranked these modes, like it ranked per ammo, right? And whatever they decide to do on it, whether it's squads or maybe it comes back and it's ranked duos per ammo for a month or ranked arena for a month or whatever. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity here where it it just seems like everything that's been asked for comes a little later than expected. And again, I don't expect that they can just code something together and throw it out there and have it work. But we're also seeing what's going on with FPP ranked right now. So I just don't know what the repercussions are going to be for that as far as ranked in general. Like, is this is it going to kill ranked as an option? I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. I don't think you know I've I've said what I would would be fine with you know it doesn't need to be ranked it just needs to have the circle settings things that we've kind of been asking for for years as a you know English speaking FPP community I think that that's something but you know we always do adapt to these changes as they come I think back to NA changing and having to adapt to not having map selection anymore um, which is something that EU are now posting about every day on Twitter like it didn't happen to us a year ago or whatever right where they're having a really hard time because they just queued for three maps, you know, whenever they wanted, and now they can't, and they have to, like, play, you know, people who, you know, queue dodge and all that stuff, but by and large, we've all pretty much gotten used to it. As long as you're not getting one map spammed that you don't like, you pretty much will just play all of them. So, it's not to say that we can't adapt to things, but I think, like, FPP versus TPP is, like, a deciding factor for whichever side you're on for a lot of people. And then it comes down to, can you play solo, squad, duo, that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I think we'll all get used to the different changes, but what the final cues end up looking like is going to be, it's going to take some time. Uh, I'm glad it's not our job, Trigger, to uh, have to yeah. figure that out, you know? Oh, yeah, because there's some people and there's been suggestions of like, should it be regionally? Like, perspective gets decided for a region. So, like, is NA and EU first person only? There is no TPP. Right. I mean, there's so many like wacky suggestions, but then some that that are strong, you know, so I'm with you, man. I don't want to make the decision, but it's fascinating to watch and see what's going to come through. Because, again, I think everyone's going to fight for their preferred mode. But at the end of the day, we don't know how many people are playing those modes. And the people that really wanted to rank solos, I don't know what's going on. You know, but it's not popping. There's no games. And again, we're, what, three days in, you know, so maybe this weekend is when that's going to start kicking off. Yeah, maybe you could only play on Sundays or like Saturday and Sunday mornings or afternoons or something. Who knows? Which is something that I heard of in the past. And I mean, that might even be something Corrigan said, you know, maybe we do ranked on the weekends, you know, and I would have fought against that because my playtime is during the week. You know, I don't have a lot of playtime on the weekends. For me, that's taking care of my two young kids and hanging out with the wife. I get most of my playtime during the week. So when that was initially brought up, and again, I can't remember where that was brought up. It may have been a Twitter post. It may have been a conversation. But it was like, I don't want that. (laughs) But 
if that's what's healthy for it and it allows it to be sustainable and populated with players if it's only offered at a certain time, maybe that's an option. I don't know. It's crazy. There's so many ways that I can speculate that it's going to work, but we don't have the data. We don't know how many people hit the ready button every day. Yeah. And we, you know, we don't even know how many people are playing FPP in NA versus TPP in NA. You know, like those things are just, you know, pretty tightly guarded secrets, right? We just don't know. But it's just been interesting, an interesting thought process and discussion tonight of, and like the past week or two of having to kind of think about this more seriously because there was a time where we thought this new map was literally just going to be TPP squads and and uh, that was apparently too much for a lot of our community in NA to deal with. So we kind of got what we wanted. But, you know, it is funny. I think the Paper Thin, one of the uh, PUBG casters out there who joked about how FPP players were like, all we want is a big map. We don't want to play small maps. Well, then they make a new smaller map and they say it's only in TPP and everyone goes, excuse me? Surprised Pikachu? You know? So it's like, well, you said you didn't want it. So we didn't give it to you. Well, now I want it. You know, it's like, well, sometimes we don't even know what we want. So it's difficult. But I think that's enough on that. Agreed. I mean, we can keep digging down this rabbit hole, but at the end of the day, it's it's worth thinking about why they need to make the decision and, and you know, they're working on it. So I don't think there's a way that they can continue to be everything to everyone. And that scares me. But there's also, the, there's so many cues right now and other BRs just don't have that problem. So it is a problem and it's got to get solved. And there's been like hundreds of, solution variants on Twitter, at least. So I'm curious to see what actually starts getting implemented. Yeah. I mean, obviously, PUBG had to start making some changes, some experimenting. And, you know, we're in that phase right now, you know, and you can speculate if it should have happened sooner till the cows come home. You can speculate which way it should have been done and handled. But we're in the middle of it now. And that's all we can really do is try and bear with it and give our honest feedback. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where we go. I hope it's in uh, in the right direction. So yeah, I mean, we could dig into all of that just over and over, all kinds of different ways. At the end of the day, it seems that PUBG agrees and the player base agrees that changes need to be made and everyone's got an opinion on how that's going to be done. I do think it's worth noting that, you know, ranked squads came into play there and there was ranked TPP as well, but that was primarily a you know, an FPP edition. And now there's was supposed to be just a TPP edition. And then, you know, they listen, they they knee jerked. And uh, we think, right, it could have been a could have been a marketing ploy, right? That could have been planned all along. But we've got FPP on Paramo now. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for getting the cues back to what they need to be populated all the time. So all that said, the thing that kicked us into this conversation was just kind of the impressions and the early experiences we've had on Paramo. And it's just been, to me, it's been really cool. So I think we should talk more about the new map because there's a lot of things to really enjoy and some awesome detail on this map that I think will be really fun to dig into. Yeah, I'm excited to talk less about the compromises that we're all going to have to make and talk more about the content. That yeah, this yeah. patch brings because it's it's so there's so much to actually be excited about and so let's let's dive into Paramount and then we'll talk about the rest of the patch. Um, yeah, we'll probably speed up right at the end, everybody. But so you know, as stated, we we think that the terrain allows for long battles and then smart rotations and then if someone rotates on you, I mean, there's a good cover that does feel a lot like Iron Gall and Miramar. Third parties felt less oppressive unless you're 
forced to run in the zone late, like we said. But yeah, I mean, multiple angles where you can kind of block out one team and then, you know, heal, revive, all that sort of stuff. Um, we didn't really touch on the dynamic nature. It was brought up by U-Trigger, but I think that's really cool and, and probably a reason that this is a smaller map is to test this new technology of big lo- named locations and even some small ones move around each round. So it's not the same map every time. I remember in all of the trailers and all of the press before it actually came out, and it was the first dynamic map. And they had that awesome trailer of the kind of lush sort of, you know, volcanic region. And then you saw the ashed over lava, just darkness. And I thought that concept was really cool. And I didn't know going into it whether it was going to be, okay, there's going to be things happening on the map live, changing it. I didn't know if it was going to be procedurally generated, like random completely and throughout the whole time. And then what it actually ended up being was, you know, random locations and random towns in, in different areas on the map. And it's actually super surprising how much it can change uh, the way that you know, not only where people drop, but how rotations work through the map. Yeah, and I mean, not every named location on the map changes. Uh, there are two places, Idu Hall at the top right of the map, and the lab, which is a really cool place to fight in and around. Uh, I don't know how many times you've like gotten to go there, but it's, it's a cool little spot to hold down with some interesting, just interesting uh, ways that everything plays out because of how that, that is designed. Yeah, did you know you can get on top of the dome of lab? No. Yeah, so you, there's actually a couple of vault spots so that you can get all the way on top of that dome. Um, I spent a lot of time fighting around lab. I think it's a really, really cool encounter. You know, you got that tunnel that you can shoot in and around and vault over. Like, that's a really neat spot. If you haven't dropped there, you gotta gotta get some fights in there, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm enjoying that. The other places we have the helipad, and I don't know the names of the other locations, but they're also like pretty pretty big. And the fact that they're just they kind of trade spots and move around has been really cool. And then, like I said, a little harder to notice, but the uh, actual terrain and some of the buildings do smaller little mini compounds do move around as well. So, so far, it, it really it really does feel different. I think also like the temperature of the color palette on the map changes pretty often and there's more uh, differences in like the lava flows and it really does feel pretty different every time while still maintaining an identity of its own. So I don't know, I'm really cool about that. Uh, really excited about it. But yeah, it's interesting because there's some reasons why I think they were trying to like make a smaller map and, and one is the performance for everybody. But another thing for this being a three by three map, I think, is because this is the last patch that's gonna come out um before consoles move into a new generation with the PS five and the Series X for Xbox. Um, interesting. Right? And and no I'm sure they probably still have to support regular Xbox and play, like PlayStation 4 going forward. But the the opportunities and like, I don't know if there's like a trade-off point where like in six months to a year that like they fade that out. Who knows? <laughs> They're probably not going to say it until they do it. The capabilities of the new consoles are like really similar to my current PC, you know? So they're going to be able to push frames better. They're going to be able to actually have like 4K with the frames or frame rate priority modes that are really good. And they've already even just made leaps and bounds recently for console where I think if you have an Xbox One X, which is like the best version of the Xbox you can get right now, uh, if you set that to like frame rate priority at like 120 FPS on the console itself, 
then you can actually achieve like a real 60 FPS with no screen tearing on the Xbox now. And those people who I've talked to or seen Twitter comments from who've played like that are blown away by how amazing and fresh PUBG feels to them just at 60 FPS compared to the about 30 that has been the way that people have played on Xbox the whole time. And the next gen is going to take it to 120, right? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think the possibility is 120 at 2K or 1440p or 60 with 4K. Um, And I think, you know, most gamers are going to want to play 120 now. Will TVs be able to do that? Will you have to get a monitor? Those are questions for another day, right? But the fact that they're already getting some people to play at 60 FPS at what I don't know what resolution they have to do it at is pretty amazing. And it's it's noticeable for a lot of people. I still remember just playing at 75 FPS for the first time when I first got my computer and was using what is now my secondary monitor and how amazing that felt after coming from consoles. So yeah, it's like a whole new world for some of these people. And, and I can only imagine that this new map, you know, testing this, it had to be smaller to be able to play on these old consoles or older, you know, PCs. And I wonder if there's going to be like a new minimum specs going forward at some point, then we can maybe get an 8x8 with like 10 to 15 locations that change every round. I think that could be amazing. I think that you just have been talking about something I never considered, that this is the last map before the next-gen consoles. And that, I mean, that may be a critical thing as to why we saw a small map versus a big map. And, you know, it, it would suggest to me that if you take that into consideration, the next map that's released will probably be something that would be a heavy hitter on console, which maybe would be a bigger map. Like, hey, let's show off the console technology, knowing that PC is going to handle it as well. That's such an interesting concept that that's why we saw this map come out. Because a lot of people were projecting that this was going to be a big map or that the next release was going to be a big map. But I wonder if the timing of the consoles had something to do with which map they prioritized. Was it a speed thing? You know, was PUBG like, hey, we want to get another map into rotation and we could get one out before the consoles come out. It would just need to be small, not only because consoles can handle it, but also because we want to release the next big map after consoles get their upgrade, you know, into the next gen. Yeah, and and there's something we're going to touch on a little bit, probably right at the end. But from the lore, there is not that many battlegrounds left. This is the sixth map, right, Trigger? Mm Mm-hmm. And... It shows eight maps on one of the lore photos, which we'll we'll talk about a little more later, but there's not much left if if that's the truth, and maybe there's going to be a brand new one if things keep going, who knows, right? But there's not too many maps left, and the next one could potentially be Alaska, and Alaska's a big place. Maybe it'll be a big map too, but it's just interesting to think about the idea of this dynamic map idea, and what they can mean for current maps and new maps going forward. You know, yeah. competitive needs a certain thing. So you picture your Arangal and all of its biggest locations, and even some of the smaller ones like Gatka or Mansion, for regular play, whatever that means, you know, for the more casual mode, maybe all of those big name locations on a map like Arangal or a new map going forward could change for like the casual public lobbies, right? But there is a competitive, you know, true to form one kind of map that is only going to be you know, we'll, sorry, we'll never change for the competitive players. So that's right. it's so important to have your drop locations. And like any competitive player would be like, how am I supposed to prepare for a game if all these places are changing? 
obviously there could be like a set map and then a dynamic version that's always kind of moving parts. So I think that would be really cool to see an 8x8 with changes for normal maps or for normal public games. And maybe maybe that's where, you know, if you want to experience that, maybe you do have to go play TPP because FPP gets a competitive rule set and static maps for you know, lack of a better term. But I'd still like to go check out an Erringal game that had school all the way on the right side of the map and you know, Zarki was where school was, you know, and that could be interesting. Yeah, and I think that there's such a big opportunity for not only dynamic map elements, but dynamic events within the map that I would just love to continue to see this stuff being put in. You know, once the loot truck on the new version of Sandhawk kind of got the power level reduced and in a better spot, you know, it wasn't dropping ghillie suits as often. And you got things like the secret key on Paramo, and then you go open a secret door, which again, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, I know. But these dynamic events are really cool. And they wouldn't necessarily be a good competitive or, you know, pro scene implementation, but I think they could do a lot with dynamic map and dynamic events and like even have a bunch of them because even something as simple as the helicopter flying over Paramo with the loot crate that you shoot down. That is a really interesting decision to make because you have to give up your position to get better loot, you know? And so it's, okay, if we shoot this down, we know what's about to happen. People are going to come looking for this crate because they see the helicopter, they saw where it went down, and they heard what kind of guns were shooting at it. That's a really interesting decision as a squad to make. We actually had that happen on our last Paramo game. We were having the conversation about, do we have enough ammo to shoot this down? And we initially said no. And then at the end, we decided to say, ah, screw it, let's do it. And then we did it. And then we got engaged with right after we By got By a team that held us out. So yes. in the end, was it worth it? We don't, well, yeah, no, we don't know if, yeah, we don't know if we didn't shoot. Probably yeah. not. We might have been able to sneaky rotate in had we not done that. But we were kind of testing some things out and we wanted to shoot it down. So we did. Yeah. So I just, I think those dynamic things could add a lot to your point, building on that. I would love to see PUBG lean into that and give us more things because you may look at the secret key and the secret little entrances that are now scattered around the map as a minor thing. I thought it was a really cool decision once I looted a key to be like, ooh, I want to go find one knowing that we might get some good loot or the quick revive item. And I think that's an interesting decision because it's not as simple as, ooh, I got a key, we need to go find one. It's, oh, I got a key, here's where the closest one is at. Is this something that the whole squad or whoever you're playing with is going to want to do? I found that to be really cool. Those kind of things were, were really fun. You know, not knowing exactly where the loot, what do they call them, the vault, is going to be because it does move around and then having to go and find it open it and grab the items was really cool and then the, the loot helicopter um where you have to shoot it down or else it's going to drop it on the edge of the map um and potentially be unlootable or put you in a very bad position but you don't have to make a noise to get it like those things are interesting the idea that this loot helicopter could be coming late game and as much as you want it and it could drop right on top of you you might want to keep it going because it moves kind of slow, and it's super loud, and it might let you make that push that you'd get caught for otherwise. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of new cool things that come with Paramo specifically that are really cool. 
Have you seen the new ghillie suit colorway? No. There's a new ghillie suit. There's also a full body camo suit. It's more of just like a regular onesie. It doesn't have the ghillie kind of like bushiness to it, but it like matches that, you know, red and black and gray ashen landscape you get I only on Paramount. I see that. That's crazy. I haven't seen them yet. I haven't seen them yet either. We, you know, we, lo- we looted two of them that game and we looted, we've all probably looted several among our group of friends. I don't think I've seen them. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they decided not to put that in last minute. I just don't remember seeing it, but that's apparently something new. I really want to loot one, like really badly now. Maybe we should go back into some of our past matches and go look at them <laughs> every every right? crate yeah. and see if they're in there. But from the pictures I saw, they look really cool. There's another item that you kind of mentioned that only spawns in a vault, uh, one per vault, and you need a key to open it, and that's the critical response kit. And uh, we just got to use one recently for the first time, and it kind of freaked us all out. Wait, so this is earlier in that last game, and we're in a town, we looted, we chose to go get the secret room, got it, got the critical response kit, and then we're fighting, and Kev gets knocked because we couldn't get him meds, we just kept getting split up, and so we go to res, and I have the critical response kit, and I run over to him, I hit the resurrection start, so I hit F, and then I thought I messed up because I popped up all of a sudden. So did I. And then he's up. And I'm like, what just happened? I messed up. Hold on. I got to restart this. And then I'm looking at him and we both realized like, oh my gosh, that was the response kit. It was so crazy. Like the first time I was seriously shocked because I had forgotten about it in that like, what, 60 second time frame. It wasn't that long. Three minutes from picking it up to that happening. Like crazy. But yeah, it was just really funny because we, you know, he forgot he had it. We forgot that was like a thing. We didn't send him the resume for that specific reason, and it actually almost worked out in our favor. Our other teammate was kind of lagging behind, and he got he got down, and then it, it turned out that this team was just the most aggressive team of all time. So oh my gosh, it didn't really man. it didn't really work out in our favor, but that could have been the difference between getting caught stuck in a res and actually winning the fight. Because if you can save that for the late game, no one's expecting that. No one's expecting you to pop up in a second and be hitting a heal during that time. Uh, and then your teammates able to fight. So really cool. I like it. It's powerful, but it's a one-time use and you need to, it's not often you're going to get it. I thought that was really cool. I like that they have that. Uh, I know beforehand we had saw what that was and we thought it might be like an actual revive or something. I'm glad they didn't do that. I don't think PUBG should have a revive system or sorry, respawn system, but the quick revive was, was pretty cool. And uh, very situationally powerful. But I do think that if they did decide to test out or try a revive system, Brahma would have been a place to do it because it's its own unique event, right? It's not in the random queue system at all. So like if they were going to try it, this would have been the spot. I'm not saying that they should never try that out. But if we're going to get a map for a month or an event for a month, that's the place to try it out. If it doesn't go over well and people don't like it, They'll go back into the regular queue and they'll hear about it. You know, I don't think it needs to be a test server thing, you know? Yeah. So that was exciting. Another new thing that comes with this are these item boxes that are all over Paramo. And forgive me if I say the wrong color, but for me and my colorblind settings and my colorblind eyes, color deficient, whatever, I can still see colors, but differently. They're like purple, but maybe they're blue. I don't really know. They're very delicate boxes. You can punch them, shoot them. I'm sure you can blow them, but I haven't tried. And inside is. You know, maybe a uh, maybe like a couple of energy drinks, maybe a little bit of ammo. Um, I saw some adrenaline syringes, 
some throwables, things like that. They're items you want, items you kind of need, and uh, they're just scattered around the map. I remember finding some mostly right by houses, but I saw some right by like lava flows. I think they're pretty cool too. Just an extra little spot for loot that is kind of unexpected. Maybe it's something you grab in rotation real quick. Again, making the decision of am I going to punch this thing open or make noise and shoot it? Do I have time or do I need to be concealing myself? I thought they were pretty cool. Dude, to be honest, I never even remembered reading that in the patch notes. And I have not even encountered one intentionally. I've probably ran by these every time because I forgot this was even in the game. Yeah, they're like very brightly colored. Um, and they say that I think they say fragile on them too. Like they're not they're not anything crazy. I'm sure if you grab a bike, you can just run them over and they'll open up like the like the iron gall shacks that are like half dead already. Yeah. But yeah, they have like little bits of loot in them. No guns, but you might get ammo, boost, throwables, and healing items, you know, of any kind. Another thing that's unique to this map now is outside of ranked, you can't play PUBG without bots. But on this map, you can. There's no bots at all. It's 64 players, and that's it. So it is really cool to be able to have a map where you're not playing bots at all. I don't, it's been kind of refreshing. You don't see any bot names. You don't chase bots. It's been really nice. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even notice that. For me, I just I still land on bots being a good implementation. I mean, it's a bummer when, as a veteran player, your position gets given away or your flank gets ruined. But, you know, that doesn't happen that often, and they're just sort of part of the game now. But the more people that come back after a long absence away or... You know, somebody new picks up the game, which I've talked to a few recently. They really enjoy it. They really enjoy the bot system. You know, so I know from a veteran standpoint, a lot of people uh, weren't super thrilled with it. But I, I think it's cool that there's modes that, that don't have them, though. I think that's neat. Yeah. Because I know there are people that are really passionate about not having bots. The thing is, is, you know, I switched to PC for PUBG, but the player base is so good. And that, that is like, a you know, an issue. That I played a lot of Ring of Elysium, which just had a more casual player base, no matter what. Smaller player base, too. And they had bots. And so I've been rolling my eyes at bots ever since I got to PC because of that game. And they don't behave much differently in PUBG, which is that they don't behave normally at all. So it's, it's always an eye roll for me to look up the bots. Another interesting thing with bots that has nothing to do with Paramo or PC is the console actually did get something that during peak times, if there's a lot of people playing, you will get less bots if your MMR is at a high enough level. So most of the people who stream on Xbox that I've been reading their tweets or just friends have had like maybe four to eight bots per game instead of the normal 20 or more just during prime time during the week. And I would love to see that duos from 8 to you know 2 a.m. basically no bots because there's no, they're not needed for us. But if you're brand new or you already are having trouble, you'll be in a different lobby with bots still enabled. Because I do know players too who, they like FPP, all that stuff, but they'll play at like five in the morning on a Saturday and they're like, no, I kind of like it. I get to practice scope spraying and, you know, just practice my own shots and all this stuff. And they, they don't mind it because PUBG is not their main game, but they still love it. So there's a place for bots. I would just love to have that on PC where prime time day, you know, hours, when, you know, kind of weather permitting, we get no bots if we're uh, at a certain point. Yeah, that's cool. It's awesome that that's on console. It's great. It, it's working well. I mean, the console community in NA is, is really strong from what I know. So I know I think that was something that a lot of people hoped for 
when bots were initially implemented. So it's fun to see the consoles getting something first and something that they can try. I mean, they also had Gcoin first too, which I guess we should start talking about some of the other things that aren't Parama related at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gcoin is one of them. Gcoin has been around. Something that we talked about way back in the day when I was doing the console corner and hadn't even built my PC is that there were Gcoins and at the time we jokingly were calling them G-Units. It's just a way for you to basically prepay currency, real currency, into the game. So instead of having to spend you know, real money, you've already spent real money on an allocation of coins like many other games. It takes one step out when you actually decide to buy something. I don't know. It's been nice so far. You have your 1,000 coins. You buy your pass. It's done. Because it was always kind of annoying having to like bring up that Steam menu and then like choose your card. and It was a bunch of extra steps. It didn't matter. It's not like it's that much different because you have to load money on your Steam wallet anyway. So it's just instead of having a Steam wallet, you have a PUBG wallet, essentially. But yeah, that's something consoles had for a long time. Yeah, and for me, it's like, it's whatever. You know, I think it's cool that they did it. However, they did add the ability in your battle pass, you do have the ability to earn enough G-Coin for presumably the next battle pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the pass, you'll have a thousand G-Coins, and that's the going rate of a pass. So I think it's pretty nice. If you grind it out, you're good. Even if you don't grind it out, you might only need to buy a little extra, 200 extra to get you there because you made it to level 40 or whatever it is. So, you know, even if you don't play all the time, you will end up getting discounted passes going forward. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, at the end of the day, it, it really doesn't change too much. But being able to earn your passes is something you can do in other BRs and battle passes that I think is a smart decision and, and good for the grinders at the end of the day. Yeah, and if you're, if you're playing a lot, the reduced season time, it could have been looked at as like, well, that's a more of a money grab. But this is an opportunity that, yeah, there's seasons coming more often, but you can potentially not have to pay for those if you're going to grind. So I don't know. I think this is a nice, nice addition. It doesn't really affect what I do that much, but you did say a little bit of a nice thing that, you know, if you're like, you know what, I'm willing to put 50 bucks into PUBG over the next year and you go buy your coins, you don't have to do a Steam transaction every time you want to buy something in game. So that's kind of a nice efficiency from this. Yeah, I think, I think it just makes it easier to kind of grab and go with these sort of things. I don't buy a ton of cosmetics, but or at least not anymore. I used to buy like a lot of the streamer ones. But, you know, I saw the uh, the Jason mask or whatever that came in for Halloween. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I need that. I wear that mask and I wear that mask in any game that allows it, Among Us in particular. I was like, I need it for this game too. And so if the G-Coin had already been out, I wouldn't have had to go into my Steam wallet and add five bucks. I could have just spent the 300 coin or whatever it is. So... To me, I like it. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't change that much. I don't think it's like some sort of money grab at all. And, uh, you know, the pass is the same amount of money, but the idea that if you play enough, you'll not have to buy another pass again is is good, in my opinion. And the pass is only 50 levels this time. So it's not like you're grinding out as many levels as before. So, so other than that... What else is new? (laughs) All right. So, so other than that, um, there have been uh, changes to the ranked rule set. So points earned per kill and assist have been increased by 50%. They made some Sandhawk Blue Zone adjustments because compared to other maps, the number of players who died in Phase 2 was too high, so they made adjustments there. And they changed some uh, some item spawns, specifically for AR and DMR magazine spawns, more 4X, 6X, and 8X sites. For whatever reason, there's more candid sites, although I don't know anyone who uses them. 
they could probably take that one back. They decreased the handgun and SMG spawns, which they already kind of like thinned them out by making them universal for both handguns and SMGs, but it's nice to see those go down because, especially in rank mode, they're just not used as much. Trigger and I were talking recently about how at the end of PCS Europe just now, the teams who knew they were in were actually memeing using SMGs and yep. still performing well somehow. But, you know, the, the casters were like freaking out and, and almost disgusted to see them in there because it's just not the way it normally plays out. The cannon sight one is just, I don't understand. I don't even have the bind to use them. You know, I, I, I don't know how to switch them because I took them off. Yeah, I, I just have never seen somebody talk about the cannon sight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd to me. Other than that, the uh, vehicles have, in all the hard spawns for esports, there will always be a vehicle there, plus I think other random vehicles, but you can at least rely on some. And they added the MG3 to the care packages, so that is in ranked. Other than that, they have changed uh, where and how you play ranked. In Europe, there are TPP solo and squad. Russia has TPP and FPP solo and squad. North America is FPP solo and squad. And South America is FPP solo and squad as well as TPP squads. So I thought that was interesting. They make no mention of uh, what you get in Asia, but I think that's because this is an English-facing patch notes that we're looking at. So Yeah, yeah. And then overall, there you know we talked about regional matchmaking changes to the normal modes, and uh, that's where some of the hurt's been coming in we talked about. So in A, we are on random map selection still. That's probably never going to change, right? Um, so you can play TPP in solo and squad, but no duo. And then you have FPP, solo, duo, squad, as well as solo rank and squad rank. EU now has TPP, uh, solo, squad, and squad rank. No duo TPP anymore. Um, And FPP, okay, FPP does have solo, duo, squad, and then solo rank and squad rank. So you can play squad rank in TPP and FPP in the EU. OC is probably hit the hardest here. Yeah. Especially if you're an FPP player. Uh, random map selection, and you have solo, squad, and squad rank in TPP, and FPP has squad only now. So that's always been a struggling region. I've always felt bad for my friends who play in those regions, and it just got a little a little tighter. And uh, for a lot of people, that's, that's a problem. And SEA, pretty much nothing has changed there, it seems, other than uh, FPP solo and duo normals are, are out, but there is solo rank and squad rank for FPP as well as FPP squads. Like I said, there's a lot of changes to queues that people aren't used to. EU having random map only is something that they're growing into, but I I found that to be a pretty healthy change and and one that doesn't bother me too much anymore. I I still play all the maps. Yeah, I hope that that one sits well with them too, because after a while, I just kind of got used to it, and it actually made me play some maps that I thought that I didn't like, but now I don't mind playing any of the maps. I actually get more frustrated playing the same map back to back to back now when that does happen, which is much more rare. But yeah, I I think that over time that was just, I got used to it. I think most people will. I do remember the first couple weeks after random map was implemented in North America though. And it was like, oh, I just want to queue for Sandhawk right now and I couldn't do it. So I know there'll be a, a learning period there or a getting comfortable with new settings. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah. Hopefully they experience the same thing we did. Yeah, you got to look at more of your macro when you look at that. Like, what does my last 20 to 50 games look like uh, compared to like, oh, well, tonight I only played this map or these two maps, right? Because over a 20 to 50 game kind of time frame, 
you do see that you've played almost every map equally in any given time frame of your season. So, all right. So, I mean, those are some of the changes to ranked and some of the changes to overall queues around the world. I think this is one that people have been asking for for a while. This is a weapon balance update. So, the barrel and SLR have finally changed and been reverted a little bit. And so, something that Trigger asked for way back when he interviewed Hawkins was uh, to get Player Unknown's Barrel Grounds reverted. And that has made it into the patch notes. He's true to his word. Yes. And uh, so, let's talk about those changes and talk about if they are as impactful as we think they need to be. You want to take us through those? Yeah. So, the barrel's base damage was reduced from 46 to 44. There's an increased vertical recoil of early spray by 5%, increased horizontal recoil of early spray by 5%, and they slightly increased the minimum horizontal recoil. And yes, reverted player unknowns barrel grounds, which again, I can't take credit for that. I credit it to Clover on that podcast, but it was actually Porosaurus, I believe, who uh, was originally saying that on one of the um, casts that he did. So. That's where the credit goes to on that one. So that's the barrel. Thanks to Hawkins for fighting tooth and nail to get that into our uh, our patch notes. I know. When he tagged me on Twitter with that, I was like, oh, he did it. <laughs> uh, I thought it was like a joke. I thought he like photoshopped it in. And then when it was actually in the notes, I was like, okay, all right. Well done, Hawkins. Well played, sir. So the SLR, though, base damage reduction 58 to 56 increased recoil during ADS by 5% and increased loss of bullet velocity by distance by 15%. So I'll ask you this. Have you noticed a big change in these guns since the patch? Not at all. I'm the same way. Like not, I, not I, at all. I haven't noticed any change. They're still the most dominant in their category like by far, especially the barrel. I mean, it's still just better than everything. And it's still just easy to control. It doesn't even make sense how it's still that easy. So yeah, the barrel is still there to stay. The SLR, I mean, I have been thinking more about the mini recently because of the bullet velocity change. The damage is still a headshot body shot down to everything, I'm pretty sure. So uh, that doesn't seem to change. So it's still very powerful and everyone's still excited to have it. But I have been thinking about the mini for kind of tracking moving targets a little easier. But Again, you still have to hit all your headshots. You know, on a level three helmet, you got to hit them three times in the head. That's hard for most of us normal folk out there. So, you know, unless you're Uba or Tiggleton. Right. As cars are flying over the... Yeah. You know, if you, and if you're not FaZe Uba or Sonic Tiggleton, you know, you're probably still not hitting those headshots as often as you need for the mini to be the most effective gun in your hand. And the SLR is probably still your best friend in the DMR class. So, they haven't changed enough. I, I don't think... They necessarily needed to change the barrel or the SLR too much. I think they needed to change 5.56 weapons to make them more competitive again. Yeah, I'm curious to see if over time, as I get in more fights with the M4, which I've actually been actively taking as a primary weapon again, just to see. I'm curious if I feel like I'm winning fights again with the M4, whereas, you know, in the pre-barrel nerf era, it was not fun when you had any other gun running up against a barrel. And I shouldn't even say not fun. It just became, if you saw a barrel, you picked it up, you know, because if you initiate the fight, a lot of times you could still come out on top. So I, I shouldn't even say it wasn't fun. It was mostly just not an interesting decision or an unfun decision that, oh, there's a barrel. I should probably pick that up because it's going to make me on par with everybody else on the map. 
So I really would like to see less spread between guns in terms of time to kill. And I'm wondering if over time, you know, the M4 and the barrel are a little closer now. I'm curious how how this actually plays out because when the barrel was originally buffed, people weren't like, oh, that's crazy. It's going to be OP. But after a few weeks, it became the only thing that everybody used if they had the choice. And, you know, before that buff, I think enough people had actually put time into the barrel to be like, this is my like dirty little secret of like, you can kit this thing out and control it. It's not possible. And it's super strong. So all they did was make it so that almost anyone can treat the barrel like the M4 typically was and dominate in a lot of situations with it. I still just think that the biggest thing they need to do to balance the weapons is remove that increased reload time for 5.56 ARs. Yeah. It should have never happened, and it makes it to the point where you do lose engagements because of it. And I can actually think, too, the duos game we played right before this, where you ran out of ammo, and you actually, in the final 1v1, elected to take your pan out and try and throw it at the dude because you ran out of ammo in the clip, or the mag, and knew you didn't have enough time to reload. So Yeah. I mean, I hit reload, circle was there, and there's no way it was happening. So the circle was there. I had to jump up. He was pushing me. My one option was to throw a pan at him, and it just came up short. I kind of wish it would have hit him, but I uh, it didn't take that one down. Yeah, it would have. It would have been in you know after the game, and like, man, I was just memeing. But it's like knowing it, being there watching. It, it's like you had no choice, you know. Yes, right. So I still think that that's the biggest thing. Like. The barrel can be strong. I think we're all fine with the time to kill where it is across all ARs right now. It's the fact that the reload takes so long that you can't you can't do enough, it feels like, in a lot of situations. Even when you have the quick draw extended and stuff. It, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you get killed reloading because it's just, you know, you have enough time to go make tea in between. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the weapon changes. I think, you know... It, it'll remain to be seen. Initially, I don't feel like it was a big enough change to redirect what players were already doing, and we'll just have to see. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's really not much left to talk about this patch. Some quality of life improvements. The mission XP is now automatically claimed in the battle pass, and the um, once a mission's complete, you'll see a mission completed animation right when you return, and then it'll just kind of be grayed out that you've already done it so other than that you know uh all players will be able to claim claim their weekly missions there are seven um weekly missions each week and uh, is there anything else that's crazy sticking out at you from the end of these patch notes i mean the big thing was paramo and talking about all these q changes i think yeah i think the only other thing i really wanted to talk about was just some tips for paramo or some things that really jumped out to me as being kind of cool so that was the thing that I wanted to end on. But outside of that, I think we hit most of the stuff. All right. Well, hit me with your tips. Yeah. So I guess what I really wanted to end on was, you know, we talked about some of the like key big features, but a couple things that I noticed while playing the new map that really impressed me were little things like when I had an end circle that was primarily in the lava or the, you know, volcanic rock. Even then, I still had the ability to use terrain to get cover and to rotate. And I just thought that was so cool. Like there's like a downed plane, I think it was, that I was fighting an enemy on. And I had this big rock that was kind of sticking up out of the lava. And I had to make some really cool, interesting choices. And you've heard me say that a lot. 
I love this little dynamic change of having the lava running that if you run over that, you take a little bit of damage. And if it's a thicker patch of lava, which as you get on this map, just know that it's the red part of the lava that hurts. If the ground is black or dark, that's not going to hurt you. And so that was really neat. The other thing that I love was the attention to detail here. And when you drive through the lava on a bike, if you hit a patch of red lava, it pops both of the tires. And I just thought that was awesome, right? I was like, I wonder, I literally got on a bike and I was driving over it. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to do anything. And as I was thinking that it was like, pop, pop. And I was like, oh my gosh, it actually did it. Oh wait, now I'm screwed because <laughs> I needed to go across the map. But I just laughed and I just thought that was so cool. So I talked a lot about dynamic map elements. I talked a lot about interesting choices. And I think that the map team knocked it out of the park with that kind of stuff. And those two things just really stuck out to me as, okay, they're really thinking about if you get an encounter anywhere on the map, you have some options. And they're thinking about little things that may not make sense in your mind if they didn't happen. So those tires popping to me was just a really, really cool like feeling moment uh, in a game was I was testing the map out. Yeah, the lava is pretty interesting. I think it's 5 or 10 HP. I think it's 10 HP per half a second that you spend on the lava. And okay. they're not super, super big, but it's still more dangerous and uh, costly to cross lava than, than it is to cross a little river, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, it does some damage. It, it shouldn't be too much. It shouldn't, it shouldn't end your game uh, at any point, but it, it does do a considerable amount of damage if you spend any time in it, really. But a lot of times you can kind of just hop onto it and hop off and be, be across. So, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty cool. I think the, the lava is something that's just... Interesting, but it hasn't affected me too too often, to the point where I'm like, oh, the lava. It's not as it's not as uh, intimidating as uh, having to cross a bridge on a military island, you know? Right, right. It's similar though, right? It could affect your decision process, but it doesn't have to, and that's why it's really cool. Because whether you're a veteran or a new player, you know, intuitively you're going to think about it, and it may be an active thing where like, oh, I don't have enough health to cross this, or oh, I need to cross this and then heal, or I can just book it across because I've already got, you know, rolling boosts going on. So I, I don't know. I think it's great. I think as this map gets played more and more, I think people will experience that and say, you know, it'll be a memorable game. Like I've already had a memorable game because of the lava terrain in the final circle. And that's really cool. I'll never forget that finish because of that. So yeah, I'm so excited for Paramo. It's, it's still really fresh and fun. Um, I'm enjoying playing squads when I can get a full squad, and I really do just hope that it ends up in the normal matchmaking pool so that you and I can run it in duos and I can trot around in, in solos and stuff. I think it's going to be fun. You know, this is our sixth map, and I think I wanted to end that on something that I saw player IGN kind of teasing or talking about where, you know, we mentioned earlier that this is our sixth map, and there's in some of the lore that's been teased by PUBG... Uh, there's what looks like to be eight maps. And so we obviously know that Arangal is somewhere in Russia. Karakin is clearly like a, a desert part of Africa. We have Sanhok that is in like some sort of a Southeast Asia, Miramar in Mexico, and now Paramo, which seems to be down somewhere near like Chile or something, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, volcanic, yep. Yeah, and so that really leaves two X's on this map that I'm looking at right now. And one of them is Alaska. And that's the one that is probably coming next and, and the one we, we think we know is coming next, uh, according to some, some quick little leaks and stuff. But looking at that last X, you have to start thinking about where that is. And without getting like a super zoomed in photo, it kind of looks like it could be England or my guess is that it's going to be in Ireland because Brennan Green is Irish. So Interesting. If it turns out to be in Ireland, you know, you get those green rolling hills, uh, maybe an 8x8. Are there eight. any dimensions on those X's when you zoom in? No, 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 no. I hope it's in, I hope both are at 8x8. 6x6 at the minimum. But, um, I, I, yeah, I very interesting. <laughs> Trigger's zooming out <laughs> now. And it's just getting more he's and more like, pixelated. He's watching me zoom in our document. But it looks like that could be it. I, I don't know, you know. So it'd be interesting to get something in, in Ireland or England. Maybe some some uh, some familiar kind of landmarks could be you know teased in there. But I think both of those areas could be really interesting to play in. And I'm kind of hoping it's Ireland because I'm Irish myself. So nice. I'm more concerned with the gameplay than the actual setting, which is why I've actually come to like Vikendi. And initially, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that map, but now that it's in random map, I've played it a lot more. So, oh yeah, where the hell they, is Vikendi? I don't know. That's a good question, right? I don't know. Hmm. But uh, I'll just come back to the gameplay on it. And if they're going to release new maps and they pay the same level of attention to the new maps as they paid on Paramo, I'll be nothing but excited for that. And I really, really hope that some of the stuff that is more dynamic is opportunity for maybe solos or duos or whatever. I hope we see that in the future. Whether it's in a different season or, you know, it's just things that get added later, I don't know. But for right now, I think this map is awesome. And I, I can't wait to see these new maps as well. I mean, I know we're speculating here that there's new maps coming out. But I this map gets me pumped for what's coming. I think they've done a great job. I agree. Uh, Paramo is really, really well done. It feels like a bigger map than it is. So I'll give them a lot of credit there. And I look forward to playing it more and, and hopefully... In- in the ways we like to play, but we're all getting used to all these changes, right? Yep. But that about wraps us up. We do have a secret code. The secret code, if you made it this far, is XP Media, all lowercase, all one word. So X-P-M-E-D-I-A, all one word, all lowercase, XP Media. That's the code. It's the secret code. It's the only way to get the final entries into the PC giveaway. So. Don't go, don't go sharing the code if you made it through this entire thing. You know, let people figure it out for themselves. But XP Media, so make sure you go back in through the link and the tweet that we'll have in the description and go back into that Gleam giveaway and make sure you enter the code XP Media, all lowercase, all one word, to get your additional entries into the giveaway to up and give you the best chances winning this PC. I'm speechless. It's absolutely uncrackable. all right everyone good luck in winning that pc good luck in your new games on paramo and everywhere if you get the solos solo uh ranked i hope those go well for you that about does it though for this episode thank you so much for listening trigger if you want to take us out of here uh everyone it's been a pleasure yeah thanks for listening everybody if you're looking to connect with us 
You can always find the podcast on Twitter. You can find Kev and myself on Twitter. You can find XP Media on Twitter. And then I've been streaming a lot of PUBG recently during the week, uh, usually 1.30 to 5 central. Uh, so twitch.tv forward slash MTB trigger. We'll have all those links down in the show notes for you in the descriptions. But that is everything we've got. And yeah, let us know what you're thinking about Paramo. Think what what do you like? What do you not like? You know, and if you have a, a unique or new thought about the Q system and what's going on there, we love to hear all of that as well. We're on Discord all the time talking about it. And uh, if you've got new ideas there, we'd love to hear about them. But we'll see you out there. Kev, any final thoughts? None, actually. Beautiful. All right, guys, we are out of here. Winner, winner, out.